the more people you help, the more that stuff's going to just circle back to you, you know, in one way, shape, or form. And it has for us over a period of uh, years and years, and it's been pretty cool to watch. As a quick, and it could be something as simple as painting a room for uh, like a, a kid in a Make-A-Wish Foundation thing or something, or it could be something crazy like a police station. That's Tom Lopatoski of Lopco Contracting. Now, he goes out there and gets his business involved in the community. He does charity projects. He does nonprofit projects, all to get his business involved in the community. And we cover exactly how he gets into those projects and why, and how that not only benefits his marketing, but also recruiting and bringing other employees on board. Lots of good stuff there, and I know lots of contractors are not doing this stuff. I learned a lot from Tom. Now, real quick before we jump into this episode, if you're listening on iTunes, go on out there, click the rating below, give us a rating, any type of rating, give me some feedback. I want to hear what you guys have to say on this podcast. We're now several episodes into this, maybe a dozen by the time this recording gets published. So go out there, leave me some feedback, or if you're not on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play for what you guys on Androids use, leave me some feedback. I look forward to hearing what you guys have to say on this podcast. And also, don't forget about the Facebook group. We're approaching 1,000 members in the Facebook group. It'll probably be over 1,000 members by the time this episode runs. Lots of good stuff there. Home service business owners and managers only. Look for it in the show notes or on the Home Pro Success website. Join the Facebook group. Awesome, awesome, awesome collaborative resource. So on that note, let's jump into this podcast with Tom here. Unfortunately, I did butcher the intro, so the podcast starts a few seconds late, but the meat and potatoes are there. You guys are going to take away a lot from this episode. What we do as Lapo Contracting, we've been in business just under 25 years we're about 30 guys right now in the field on average. We do a lot of painting and repair work. Way back when, many moons ago, when I first started, I jumped into the business on the painting side of things, not knowing a lick about painting. I'm not one of these guys who's had you know a paintbrush in their hands since they were born or been handed a family business or anything like that. I just jumped in it to pay my way through school, really. I, I came up in a pretty uh, challenging neighborhood in uh, Providence, the middle of the city. And I knew if I was going to go to college, I had to kind of figure out a way to pay my own way. Saw some guys painting a building one day, thought I could do it, and kind of jumped into things. (laughs) You went out there and sold one yourself, right? Yep. And then you jumped in and you found out that pool was about 100 feet deeper than you thought. Yeah, if not deeper. You know, it's crazy the amount of painters that are out here, especially during certain periods of the year, the periods of the year that I could run the business because I was in college and summertime was basically when I did it. But as I kind of got more and more into the business, I noticed that, you know, there's a lot of painters out there, but a lot of times some people will have rotted wood in their house that went along with painting. In Rhode Island, it's a part of the country where we have a lot of old wooden housing stock and the wood tends to rot out over a period of time. And basically, as we found rot needing to be replaced over over you know, as we're going through our projects, we I thought, why don't we bring in some carpenters and see if we can paint it and fix it at the same time? And that kind of led one thing to another. And we still do the bulk of our business as a painting company, but we do so much more. We do a lot of uh, carpentry work. That's as big as it's ever been for us. We do a lot of masonry repairs, a lot of plastering, sheetrock, and blue board. If it's a licensed trade in Rhode Island, a licensed trade for us up here would be like a plumber, an electrician, an HVAC guy. We typically would outsource something like that if one of our clients wanted it done as part of their project. But if it's not a licensed trade, so to speak, we typically do it like on our roof and house directly. And it's been pretty good. 
All right. So, so by and large, your business is painting. Would you say that's over half of the business or, I mean, where does it fall in? Yeah, I'd say over half of it's painting. And then the, the repair component has consistently been a steadily growing part of it. But by and large, Corey, I'd say the majority of it's still uh, the painting end of it. Do you guys take any, you know, just repair only projects or is it kind of where you just market for painting services? Customers come in, you know, requesting a paint and then you basically just sell onwards from there. Or do you have people that actually call in for repair services? That's an excellent question. Yeah, we're, it used to be people just know us as a painting company and then the repair stuff, like you said, was sold in addition to painting. Now we have a quite a number of people that call and they just want us to fix something because they can't find anybody else to fix it. Whether it's windows needing to be replaced or like an old steel bulkhead that needs to be changed out where we custom make those right on site to like just the porch repair. They'll, they'll call us for that stuff, not even asking us to do the painting portion, which is pretty funny to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so does your marketing just actively target painting or have you started actually kind of marketing for other services? We've done both. It always is targeted the painting and it also targets the other services, but it's almost like we had such a head start and such a deep dive into the painting. Getting people to recognize that we do all these other services has been playing like playing a big catch-up game because people still look at us as like a painting company. Not like our, We had to change our tagline at some point in the last several years. We used to be the professional, personable, particular painters. You know, and then we took the painters out of it because we wanted to focus now is, uh, if you see my logo now, it's personal, particular professionals. So, and we used to just, our logo again, used to be the same thing you see now, but there used to be no hammer. It used to just be the paintbrush. So now we took the painters part out of it. We put the hammer in a number of years back, just trying to kind of brand us more so as not only a painting contractor, but a painting contractor that could also help you out with your repairs as well. Gotcha, gotcha. So now behind all this, you have to have a team, right? Like a good team. I know it's hard to keep or it's hard for all of us to staff just one trade. You're kind of branching out there beyond painting. So tell me about your team. I mean, you have to have a decent sized team behind your operation here and they have to be well trained and they have to be awesome. If you know, I can tell I can tell the enthusiasm from the sound of your voice that you're, you know, you're, you're, how should I say this? Well, you're enthused about branching out into these other services. And I know that when most of us try to branch out into other services, that enthusiasm quickly fades away because it hits us. We're like, well, shit, our guys can't even complete the projects, you know, where we've been doing and trying to sell. Now we can't do, you know, all this other stuff. But it sounds like you got that all under wraps. Your guys can pretty much handle whatever you throw at them. Is that the case? Well, it's one of these things where, we're constantly looking for unique types of repairs that nobody in our area overwhelmingly can do. Really try to niche ourselves out, so to speak. It's not so much that we're trying to train our guys new skill sets, but we're trying to find guys with new skill sets that we could market to get more business that way. A good example I just mentioned was we change out steel bulkheads. Now, I know down in Florida, obviously, everything's on slabs. They don't have like sellers up here almost every house you look at has a basement or a cellar and on the outside of the house you usually have this metal bulkhead kind of looks like a triangle with two doors on it where yeah it's an access point to get underneath below the foundation into the cellar now a lot of times these things ride out and unless you have a perfectly standard size that you can go order through like a company that just specializes in making bulkhead doors you're gonna have a problem because there's not too many guys out there that know how to like custom make these things and change them out. So that's a part of the business where I found a guy a little while back 
who is absolutely awesome at custom doing these things. So we brought them on board, and now we can market that as something we do. And that's just one example. I mean, there's tons of those. Yeah, that sounds like a nice little niche service. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, because, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm sure most people just kind of want to order the stuff from their typical vendor, you know, and kind of plug and play type of deal. But if you have somebody that can custom make that stuff on site, sounds like you're kind of tapping into a little bit of a money pit there, money pod. Yeah, and we try to do that with a wide variety of things, not just that, particularly stuff that's like a dying art. You know what I'm saying? Like a couple of other quick examples would be something as simple as hanging like high-end wallpaper. Wallpaper used to be really prevalent. Wall covering used to be really prevalent in Rhode Island. Like back in the day, you go in somebody's home, every room had wallpaper. Then for a period of time, that trade died off and people are trying to take out all, all the wallpaper from the homes. Now it's making like a little bit of a comeback. And because it fell off for so long, nobody knows how to really hang wallpaper anymore <laughs> the right way. I mean, they could do commercially, like if you go in like a hotel and you see all these wall coverings. But if you have wallpaper that's imported from Italy that costs like 300 bucks for a half row, you really going to trust a commercial wallpaper guy to do that? So did you find a wallpaper guy to bring yeah, on stuff? Yeah, all right, That's man. what I do, Corey. All right, man. So how are you finding these guys? How are you finding these guys? Well, you got to kind of find an idea of what you want first. You know, you can't just like make up a service and just say, oh, I'm going to... You, you kind of got to stumble across something that, in, in terms of the way we approach it, that you know that nobody else can do. Or, and then you got to figure out, well, somebody's got to be able to do this. Then you just got to go out and find the guy that does it. You know, and, and it's a different answer to each of that question. I'll give another example is we do a lot of super high-end uh, wood restoration. So in other words, if you see a church that's like 200 years old, they have an old wood door that, you know, you're never going to be able to replace it, but it's finishes worn, torn, and it just needs to be like broke back to life. There's not too many people you would trust with that door. We have a guy that his family owned a furniture business for decades. He was actually in the furniture business for 40 years. And I came across this guy somehow through a referral. And he was literally in every piece of furniture. He usually used to get shipped to the shop. He used to joke like was in shambles. So as he delivered it to his clients, he used to have to put it together, make it look good. And like it just came out the showroom. And because he's not in that trade anymore, his family made a decision a number of years ago to close the business. And he was looking for something to do. And I met up with a guy and he does so much door restoration work for us. It's crazy. And there's literally, I could tell people all day long, you're not going to find a better guy to restore your door than this guy. I mean, he restored furniture for years. Like that. I mean, boom. Yeah, done deal. So it's it's stuff like that. Just kind of keep my eyes open for opportunities, really. Yeah. So I mean, would you say most of these people actively find you, or you're just kind of networking and looking for it? I say it's kind of a combination of a few things. The bulkhead, as as an example, I had a guy years ago that did it, and he actually ended up passing away somehow. And I was searching for somebody that could really install, and I had a client that had somebody in custom installer one day, and so I said, "Where'd you get this?" customer sold from. He told me the guy's name. I chased him down and just kind of worked the deal with them and the rest of his history in terms of that. Wallpaper, similar. I have a guy that was whose family has been in the business for decades and I was able to kind of work something out with him, bring him on board. There's so much stuff like that that we do. Seamless gutters, like uh, I don't know if they're big in your part of the country, but not Huge, part. huge, huge down here, yeah. Yeah, so aluminum seamless gutters. I found a guy, his family was the first company have a seamless gutter machine like in Rhode Island back in the day when, when these things first came on board. So now we do a ton of seamless gutter work and so on and so forth. So 
Right on. So, I mean, you know, besides for these specialized guys, I'm guessing that you have to have a pretty good team of kind of, see, just kind of general labor, you know, helpers and stuff. How many guys do you have on staff? I mean, let's, let's go back to that real quick. Define staff. I mean, we're kind of like a hybrid organization. We have payroll employees who probably run about 10 to 15, depending on the time of year. And the rest, we kind of uh, fill in the gaps with uh, super high-end subs, I call them. Our guys, we kind of take care of smaller jobs, making sure the ship's steered straight and kind of being on top of the subs, like and just making sure that everything operates as seemingly as it possibly can out there. Yeah. So, I mean, so your guys on staff, I mean, the guys that you guys actually keep on payroll. Yeah. I mean, what, what's your recruitment process like for that? I mean, how do you find them, essentially, is what I'm saying, and how do you keep them? Did you ever hear of a guy named Earl Nightingale, Corey? All right, so everybody talks about all these motivational speakers they hear, you know, these people are inspired by a wide variety of people. It could be Tony Robbins, could be like Gary Vee's pretty popular these days. Earl Nightingale was a dude from back in the day, like 40s, 1930s. But his stuff that he used to spit back then was still relevant today. And one of the things he used to say is, if you ever want to be really successful at something, pay attention to what everybody else is doing and do the opposite. And uh, you'll never go wrong. So that's pretty much what I try to do. And recruiting is not any different from that. What we do is we kind of look at what normal contractors are kind of chasing in terms of employees in their ads. It's always the same stuff in their ads. It's always like a short ad that says, no drugs, no... Yeah, must have valid driver's license. Must have own transportation, yada, yada, yada. We'll pay based on experience, you know? Literally always the same thing. Nothing separates them from any other ad, you know? So I kind of get a kick out of that. And if you go like on Indeed... Indeed's a great resource, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, for, for anybody out there that's going to post a job ad for anything, I, I do recommend Indeed. I will say that. The, you don't even need to... Well, at least in our area, we don't need to pay for it. It always tries to get us to pay for it. But even when we don't, we still get like 80 applicants. It's actually been quite well, and it's all... So if you really want to hire somebody, you got to do two things, all right? You got to do something nobody else is doing, right? Two things are one is you got to go with a long form copy ad. In other words, they'll give you X, they limit however many words you can use. 20,000 words, I think it is, or whatever it is. Use every single one of them. So you're using, <laughs> you're using 20,000 words? Literally. If you see our ad, it reads like a book. It's like boom. And if you're interested in that, if anybody else is interested in the ad, get in touch with Corey or whatever, let me know. Yeah, we'll have to put a link to that in the show notes. Yeah. Yep. And the other thing is sponsor the ad. You know what I mean? Because a lot of people are looking like, I don't want to sponsor it. Blah, blah, blah. Dude, we sponsor the ad. You know what I mean? You're, you're only going to, the cream's going to rise to the top. So you, you sponsor the ad, you give them a long form copy ad. And it's funny, like a lot of people are look at the long form of copy ads. Nobody, it's, it happens anytime. Anytime I sell your ad, really. I was like, that's such a long ad. Nobody's going to read it. Nobody's going to read it. I was like, I mean, I go, yeah. Did you read it? Oh, yeah, I read it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I know that he's going to read it, but it's hysterical. So, yeah, it's long form copy ad. It's something that we modify based on the position we're going for. It's, it's pretty much the same ad, but if we're going for a carpenter, we'll tweak it a little bit for carpenter language. If it's going for a painter, we'll tweak it a little bit for painter language and so on and so forth. Yeah, right on. I heard a group member actually, I think, posted on his Facebook wall, and then I subsequently kind of reposted it to the actual group. He said, be the company that people want to work for. And I, I thought that was pretty good too. And I don't know, you know, whether you're actively thinking this or doing it, but looking at your website and kind of looking at your business and stuff, you are that company. You do a lot of community involvement. You do a lot of nice projects in and around the community. If you are interested in a trades position or if you're a tradesman, 
quite frankly, I don't really see how you can find a company that's much better. I mean, obviously, I don't know, you know, the two, the, the internal details of your company. But from an external perspective, I can't find a company that would really be much better to work for because you're putting some meaning and value behind the projects. I see that on your website. So can you talk about that for a little bit? Sure. And again, going back to the Elgin Nightingale, you want to be the best at whatever it is you do or successful at whatever you do. Look at what everybody else is doing, do the opposite. You know, We do a lot of things to try to attract the right, quote unquote, individual to work with us. And it's mostly different from what you see other companies doing. Now, don't get me wrong. We pay our guys really, really well. You know, but can they go out there and get another job? working for another painting contractor, carpenter contractor, or whatever, and get paid more? Probably, you know, more than likely they can. I'm very honest with them when they say that. But some of the things that set, set us apart, you know, good pay. Everybody that works with us has an iPhone, has an iPhone with unlimited data plan, whatever, which is a small thing, but kind of big these days. That can make a noticeable difference in somebody's life or finances. You know what I mean? Your iPhone, I don't, what is it? 90 bucks a month, let's just say, is probably about what everybody's going to be paying. You're providing that. Not only are you providing that as like a compensation form, but you are getting the benefit of them actually having the communication. Because I don't know how many times, you know, before we actually provide cell phones now, but when we didn't, you know, they would have some low budget carrier and they basically never had service. And they're like, well, I was trying to call you and text you, but it didn't go through or, you know, whatever. You're like, get a picture of this. And they send back this little 300 by 300 pixel picture. And you're like, well, I can't tell shit from that, you know? So now, you know, you provide them with an iPhone, they get, you know, that added compensation and then you get the increased communication, improved communication, efficiency, everything that goes along with having that, you know, quite on tap. Not to mention the GPS, you know, kind of thing that goes along with it. They can tell where they are at any point in time. Another thing we do, and this is the biggest thing we've probably ever done, is everybody get, that's a full-time employee has like full health care with us. And it's not health care where they pay $200 a month or $100 a week. Like literally, when I tell you they get health care, not a dime comes out of their pocket for a really good health care outside of what their normal deductibles would be, but nothing gets taken out of the payroll every week or the paycheck. Literally, 100% healthcare. So that goes to your actual 10 to 15 people that you have on payroll? Yeah, correct. Man, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. I haven't spoken to anyone yet that you know actually does that. Roughly, because I'm thinking in terms, in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, how much is this costing you? Roughly, how much you know per employee does this program run? It depends on... There's so many variables. I mean, this is kind of this could almost be a podcast. I mean, I, w- I would ex- yeah, I would expect you to give me the exact you know down to the penny number, but uh, just roundabout. Well, I could tell you that we pay about five grand a month for the, everybody that's chosen to take the plan. If they don't take the plan, they have to sign a waiver that says they've been offered the plan, but they decline it. Why they may decline it? Who knows? Maybe their spouse has health insurance. Maybe something else. They, they're set up a certain way. But on average, we pay about five grand a month. So that's three fifty to five hundred, and does that extend to their family as well, or just them? Yep, it goes to their family as well. So they could take an individual plan, or they could cover the family. That's awesome. So you know, now when I hear, you know, when I see your website, I'm talking about seeing why people would want to work for you. I'm hearing that it kind of all comes together. I, I think you've got an awesome program set up and an awesome business that people would want to work for. You guys can't see this, but I'm looking at his website, which we'll put in uh, the show notes. And in what would be the main image kind of area on the homepage, we'd call it the hero section. It's a lot different than most other trades business websites, even my own. The first image that loads up is a project that they did. And I guess, Tom, you can tell us if you actually or what part of this project you did. I don't know if you did the whole thing, but it's a concrete block wall that has been painted. Something clearly something to do with the community. It says, got wound. 
I can't even. Wanasquatucket. So, <laughs> okay, Indian you want to yeah. hold on? Pronounce that again. Wanasquatucket. Wanasquatucket. Okay, Wanasquatucket River Greenway, <laughs> <laughs> and it's a really nice picture. Clearly, something that I think most people in the local area would recognize. And then there's a brief little caption on that. The next image shows another project, which is some kind of either what is this museum or art gallery? This looks like a why it looks like some type of museum or environmental center. I see a bunch of, I guess, stuffed animals, or I can't tell if they're stuffed. <laughs> well, they're, no, not, uh... not, not, not stuffed as in teddy bear stuff, but um, st- stuffed as in taxidermy uh, stuffing. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 quite, yeah. yeah, so, yeah, so I see that again, another place in the community that people would recognize. Next image, image number three, is some guys out on the project working and image number four is tom speaking with a happy customer and then a customer service rep on the phone really putting some faces behind the actual business you know and not it's really at the moment i mean it's kind of implied what you do you know based on the logo and all that all right this is some type of home service company and they do painting and all that but all the images are really focused on their community involvement so you know when you load this up you say hey this is a company i want to work for or if you're a consumer you say wow, this is a company I want to hire. Oh, you know, I've been to this museum. I've seen this block wall, you know, and I recognize the stuff. This is the company that did it. So that's some awesome stuff here, man. Now on this wall, did you guys just paint it or did you actually build this? We didn't build it. We helped them out with the painting portion of it, but we didn't build it. It was actually just a retaining wall, like a blank retaining wall. When they oh, yeah, first, it's reta- uh, I can see it now. It's retaining a hill on the background, back side of it, yeah. Correct. Yeah. So they, they wanted to kind of add some life to it. It goes along a bike path that goes around the inner city of Providence. And you can see it from the highway. There's a highway that goes, like the person that's taking that picture, their back's probably facing the highway as they're taking the picture. Okay. Gotcha. Yep. All right. So I got an idea on how that's going. We'll link to that in the show notes. Now, looks like you're doing a lot of projects around the community. How's that making a difference in your sales and the actual growth of your business? That's huge. And it's one of these things that if you do it, you got to do it with the right intention in mind. In other words, you can't just do it because Tom Lapatowski says you're going to get a ton of business off it. You got to do it. You got to find some causes that really kind of hit home to you. It could be anything. And just uh, reach out to them, see if it's something that you can help them out with. And it doesn't have to be money. Money's like anybody could donate money. You know what I mean? If you, if you have money. But helping them out with and there's a section, if you're on the website, you can click on community. It's a tab that it'll take you all through a wide variety of stuff that we do within the community. And, you know, the, we'll talk about the bike path as an example that, that you're, you're on right there. This bike path was formed in the neighborhood I grew up in quite a number of years ago. And I never even knew it was there until I got a flyer in the mail one day. I said, what the heck is this? I'm going to check this out. I, reached out. I just reached out to them. Hey, my name's Tom. I'm Lapco Contracting. I'd love to find out more about your bike path. Do you have somebody who can take it down with me? So I went to take me on tour. I went down there, took a tour, and immediately I just saw stuff that was like they probably had no idea how to do, but that I could help them out with. Like just something as simple as like if you've ever seen like wooden rail fences that you do see on a farm, right, that you know, use to keep the cattle in. They use these a lot to line the bike path with, and every so often somebody tagged them with graffiti, you know, and I'm like, it's like literally – like an hour's worth of work for me to send two guys in a pickup truck with a generator and two pumps in and just buzz that graffiti off. You know? Just just something like that. Just you gotta be creative in terms of how you can help people. So you're you're actively looking for these opportunities. People aren't just coming to you. I call a time out on you there, Corey, because that's how it started. It was I was actively looking for it. And I still do. I still keep my eyes and ears open, but 
now people just kind of look at me as like this resource. Like if somebody's getting done and somebody needs some help, you know, if they reach out to me, I could probably point them in the right direction. Give you a quick example. About a year ago, there is this organization, awesome organization that works in the inner city promoting the sport of wrestling to inner city kids. And I never heard of them. I know nothing about wrestling, but somebody said that they just got displaced by some landlord that they had. They found another place. They wanted to move these kids in there, but it was all dirty and dingy and all this and that. So a guy locally in the community linked me up with this guy, and I said, cool, I'll go reach out to him. I'll have a conversation with him. Started meeting with this guy, talking with him, and I just thought of a way I could help him reach out to a paint supplier. They donated a boatload of paint so like I could send some guys in there and just spray this thing out real quick and just make it so these kids can have a new place to call a home. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are doing a lot of good things in the community, and the, the budgets just aren't there to kind of repair some of these places and it kind of hits home to me kind of hard and it just you know whatever i can do to help somebody out i, I enjoy helping them out and you reap what you sow that's just like a natural law you could try to fight it all you want or try to dis- discredit it but it's just the way it is you know the more people you help the more that stuff's going to just circle back to you you know in one way shape or form and it has for us over a period of uh, years and years and it's been pretty cool to watch yeah, so let me ask you, I mean, when did you first start this? When was your, well, when was your first community project or when was your first charity project or whatever you want to call it? When was the first time, you know, you really did something for someone for free? I mean, how long has this been building momentum? <laughs> Probably since I was like six years old. You know? <laughs> well, well, in the, in the Lopco contracting period. Well, when I first started out, you know, it, it was two separate things. One was like I was starting the painting company and separately from that, I just like grew up in an area that was real tough. And I just said to myself early on, if there's any way I could ever help somebody out, I'd love to do it. I didn't know what that meant at the time. But at some point in time, I couldn't even tell you when it was, Corey. I just kind of married the two together and, and looked at it as maybe it, it could have even been the bike path. I don't even know. Where I reached out to them, found some stuff that we could help out there with. And one thing leads to another. We've done tons and tons and tons of work in the community painting-wise. But it's developed to the point that it might not have anything to do with painting. Maybe somebody's just looking to make a connection with somebody. It could be that like somebody's just trying to meet like a politician or another company that does whatever that we may have had contact with, with some of the stuff that we've done. I'll tell you a funny one. If you look on the website, it's in there. At one point in time, there's a town near, we used to be located in Providence, right in the middle of the city, an industrial complex for like 14 years. Like you didn't even know we were there. It was like a dead end street. It was cool, right? and nobody bothered us. We had a good time, et cetera. We could go and go as you please, and it was fine. But then, you know, we started kicking around the idea of moving. A number of years ago, we ended up doing a house for a client, and they were second in command of a police department, a town not like right next to the province called Johnston. And he reached out to me like months after we did his project and said, hey, Tom, the chief kind of wants to talk to you. We've been having like a challenge getting the outside of the repair the department painted we haven't painted in like 30 years and the town doesn't have a budget for it, it looks grimy is there anything you might be able to do to help us well, set the main set the main and go down there i figured out a way to get it done it's a pretty big site good size project probably would cost like 25 grand if they hired somebody to do it you know so we did it for them for the bubble end up being a newspaper with the mayor the police chief yada, yada, yada. fast forward a few years we were looking for a place to move and we found a place in johnston that town that was right near the police station so it was hysterical because we were we had no intention at the time. It was just the town we wanted to help them out. But now 
years later, we ended up moving to Johnston. Our shop's actually located in Johnston now, right next to Town Hall. And, you know, we kind of get to enjoy the benefits of, you know, painting the police station. Many yeah, well, I mean, that's a powerful, <laughs> A, it's powerful to say, and B, even more powerful is that picture you've got shaking hands with the sheriff there. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, police chief. Cool. yeah. Yeah. Police chief. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So pretty good. So over the years, roughly how many of these projects would you estimate that you've done for charity, nonprofit? I'd say dozens and dozens. They add up over the course of time. You think we've been in business 25 years. Say we do five projects a year times 25. All right. Okay. 125. Yeah, man. Yeah, they're quick. And it could be something as simple as painting a room for like a, a kid at a Make-A-Wish Foundation thing or something. Or it could be something crazy like the police station. That's awesome. That's awesome. And it gives, like I said, like I was pointing out earlier, it gives a lot of awesome pictures on the website. How many customers, I mean, do you think that this stuff pulls in? Does it pull in customers? How often do you hear customers say, hey, I've seen you guys on that project or I know that project? I mean, would you say it's a vital driver of business? I I think we can all kind of guess your answer because you've just said that you've been doing it for 25 years, you know, consistently. Am I in line with my thoughts on that? Yeah, it's huge, you know, and it's huge for a wide variety of reasons. You know, I mean, one is it pulls in clients. I was at a client's house earlier today. We is a pretty significant project. They heard of us. It was a guy that retired. He reached out to us in the fall and he sat on the board of directors for one of these foundations that we did work for and that we've had a good relationship with for decades. I say decades, I can't believe I can say that, but like for 20 years or so. And he just needed some work done on his house. He needed a bunch of stuff done. So he reached out to us. And again, I would never thought that that would have been like the case like years ago. I was just doing it because I thought it was the right thing to do. You know, It's a great resource for us in a big part of Rhode Island is Newport, Rhode Island. It's kind of like this big tourist thing, particularly summertime. They have lots of festivals there. They're known for their mansions. They have these huge mansions from the, they call it the golden era, where you can look it up, Newport mansions. And there's like literally like the most magnificent homes from like over a century ago that you'll ever see in your life. There's an organization called Newport Preservation where they take care of all these mansions, making sure that they're kept pristine and things of that nature. We developed a relationship with them years ago. They typically pay us for our work. I mean, it's, it's a good, it's a big fabric within the community, but when they need a, a certain type of projects done, they reach out to us. We've helped them out quite a bit over the years, but that's a great reference to have in that area because even the homes in that area that are related to the mansion, so to speak, that might be old money. So they obviously know who the mansions are. You know I mean? Everybody knows who the mansions are, you know, and that's a, a great kind of feather having the cap too, just being aligned with that type of organization. So. Right on, right on. So getting out there in the community, doing these projects, man, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're having such a, I guess, success behind it and kind of, you know, it's kind of really all pulling together for you. So, I mean, if we kind of took a step back and recapped, you know, you would say, hey, go out there, look for opportunities within your trades and just actively improve it. You know, don't wait for opportunity to come knocking. Don't wait for the police to call you and say, hey, can we get an estimate to paint our building or fix our roof or something? Call them up. Say, hey, I notice you have some damage on the roof. Notice, you know, hey, this retaining wall could use a fresh coat of paint or a total repaint. We're going to make it, you know, look awesome. Actually go out there and do the reach and get the ball started on that. Yeah, if you can't, you can't just sit back and wait. You know, I mean, if you do a lot of work in a particular area and you and say you own a painting company, I'll just use that as an example, and you drive by this fire station every day, you notice the garage doors and the fire station look like crap. Just walk up there. And I would just walk up there and be like, hey, I notice your garage doors look like crap. Do you, I own a painting company. Do you mind if we just paint it for you? 
I mean, the worst they could say is no or just whatever. But if you do, you never know where something's going to lead. Just think about how much trust and reputation. You really can't get any more trust, social proof, reputation, all that stuff than you can painting the police department building. You know, I mean, that's a that's a very powerful claim picture Whatever I mean, however you want to kind of get behind it. Do you guys do when you're out there on the projects? Do anything with Facebook? Say, you know, get on video and say, hey, today we're out here painting this or restoring that for the community. Do you do you promote anything like that? Or is it just strictly, or I don't want to say strictly because you do it in many other ways, I'm sure. But is it just largely done through your website? We do dabble in social media with Facebook as an example. Not as strongly as you probably should. I went live, like we did one project last year. I forget what it was. It was like something like a building that was on, it might have been related to the bike path that just constantly was getting tagged or whatever. We, you have a CVS pharmacy down behind, right? I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Two of them on every intersection. Yeah, exactly. They're based in the town that I started the painting business from, the Woonsocket, Rhode Island. And they sent like 100 employees or whatever on this particular day to beautify the bike path. They would take get involved in the community. And so our guys were charged with kind of leading the CVS employees to kind of have a productive day out there and i think i want facebook live from there and, and all that kind of stuff but i mean i'm, I'm certainly not as uh, diligent with it as as it could be yeah it can be difficult to be diligent with it but i know a lot of contractors out there always asking like hey what can i post on facebook because there's only so many you know, so many ways that you can say we repainted this building we repainted this you know there's only so many ways you can make this stuff exciting and interesting engagement and man tom with what you're doing there and the way you're kind of bringing the community into it doing these community-based projects for those out there listening it would be great if you guys got out there did projects in the community shared that stuff on facebook it creates awesome content and i think it would just pay dividends and dividends and dividends for years and years and years getting out there and doing that stuff. So uh, yeah, kind of, I mean, going back to getting started in it, you know, obviously you say, hey, get out there and chase the balls. There's two other ways I just kind of wanted to mention here, because this is something that we think about for my company, you know, Gulf Coast Aluminum all the time. We haven't actually pulled the trigger and we need to. Vol sending our guys to volunteer for Habitat for Humanity. And then what else do we have? Uh, down here we have a organization for disabled veterans I'm not exactly sure. I'm, I'm sorry that I'm butchering this here, but we've got an organization for disabled veterans, which I think helps with their home improvements or they work to partner with contractors. So we looked up and, you know, we obviously found those two organizations. So get out there, you know, reach out to those organizations. I mean, is that something you'd ever think about doing, Tom, or are you pretty, you know, pretty much content on you've got so well, you've got so many people coming to you already looking for assistance, it doesn't sound like you really need to kind of jumpstart it like I do and other trades business owners. Yeah, I mean, Habitat for Humanity, we've had a great relationship with for years and years and years. Disabled American veterans, we've had a good relationship with them for years and years. I mean, it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, just a matter of pulling the trigger and doing it, bro. You know? Yeah, that's it. And I think, well, you got to keep doing it. You know, you've been doing it for 25 years, five projects a year on average. So many people, I know this, so many people will do one project or two projects and say, oh, that didn't get us anything. We really didn't see any return on that. You know, we just, you know, we, it was just yeah. basically like giving away, you know, giving away our money. We might as well should have just donated money in this case. But you really have to keep at it and keep, you know, keep going and let it build momentum. And as you can see in Tom's case, it's doing quite well. Yeah. But you can't just do one and done. That's like doing a direct mail for like one time and be like, ah, it didn't work. You know? I mean, yeah, it's not a direct response kind of thing. You know, you really have to keep going at it. And yeah, on that, on that note, anybody out there listening on direct mail, Tom, obviously you've gone down this road. 
if you want to make it work, you have to do it. You have to be in that same newsletter every month, month after month after month, you know, and that's, that's really how you have to do it. I do hear from people all the time. They're like, oh, you know, we tried to mail our newsletter one time. I'm like, well, how many runs did you do? Well, just one, you know. Okay, well, yeah, you, you do have to sink some cost into getting out there and getting into, well, you have to be consistent. So every time they pick up this newsletter, hey, there you are, there you are, there you are. And then when they have the actual intent, boom, they come back. Yeah. So Tom, going forward, man, I mean, what are you looking to do in your business? You got any big plans on the horizon? Yeah, we're just going to keep building it like we're building it, you know, just continuing to look for those where to find niches. There's certain ends of the business that I'm not as happy about that I'd like to see us grow more into. One of them is the insurance restoration work that we do. Everybody's got stuff in the business that they wish they could improve on and grow on or whatever. For us, that's it because winters can be pretty tough in Rhode Island and it's challenging kind of bridging the gap between our exterior seasons. The insurance work is something that I'd love to be able to kind of get more and more. We do a good amount of it now, but not quite as much as I'd like to. But that, yeah, that's, I'd say if I had to pick one thing, that's, that's probably part of the business I'd love to do more. What other types of marketing do you do, I mean, besides the community involvement? And, well, I guess I kind of further this with another question. If you were to stop marketing, you know, do you think that just community involvement and your reputation and brand name that you've built up would propel you to keep growing? That's an excellent question. We do quite a number of things from a marketing standpoint. One of the biggest things that we've done, our biggest thing is we're on the radio a lot. We do what we call live reads with an AM talk radio, the local talk radio of Rhode Island, with two certain types of hosts. That's been the biggest thing over the last like 15 years. Radio. Radio, yeah. Talk radio, live reads. It's got to be done a particular way. We've done enormously positive things off of that. So much so that if we literally stopped doing the radio today, people would, and we've done this before, because of whatever, we'd stop for like a month or two, and people would still call our office and swear they hear us every day, even though we may not have been on for like two months, you know? It's like getting your trucks wrapped, you know? I, people always ask, should I get my truck wrapped? I'm like, yeah, like get one wrapped, right? And then you'll have people that just see this because the truck's going in generally the same place. People tra- generally travel the same route. They'll tell you, they're like, oh, I see your trucks everywhere. How Anywhere. many do you have? <laughs> and in your head, you're like, oh, that's only, you know, the one that we have. And then, I mean, once you see the results from just the one, then you're just going to want to get the rest of them done. It's correct. Yeah. Uh, so, so stuff like that, signs, we do a lot of networking stuff. Uh, we've done a good amount of B&I in the past. People know what that is. We've done a structured networking events, which we have actually developed a system to make kind of those work. We do, you know, a lot of massaging to our current client base and weekly newsletters. Let's talk about that, man. Let's talk about that. Weekly newsletters. What what are you sending them each week? Because... As, like the Facebook, people are always like, well, what do I say each week? There's only so many ways I can spin this, you know, we repaint houses. You've got the, well, you've got the community involvement. That's one big, so you've got all that to... If you go to our website and you look at our blog posts, like the blog posts that I, I post up there, they're literally what I send in the e-newsletter every week, you know, like literally. And I talk about a wide variety of different things. And it doesn't have to be like necessarily painting. Like in other words, around the holidays, I wrote a a blog post or a newsletter that had to do about watching out for those that are going through depression during the holidays, you know, that, that are around you. I mean, it doesn't really have to be about painting or what you do. I mean, a, a lot of mine are, but I mean, there's tons of topics out there. You know, I mean, you, you can just, there's actually websites if you just uh, give me a blog ideas, you know, I mean, they'll, they'll <laughs> give you a blog idea. It's you know? <laughs> so a random and Yeah, it just adjust it for your business. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Oh, yeah, wow, just man, that's interesting. Adjust it for your business. And you, you guys send these out each week. I'm guessing you send an email that basically says go to our new blog post type of thing. 
Well, it's an email. The blog post is in the email, but then we just take it and we put the content as a blog post. Okay. So we re repurpose yeah, it. Yeah, and, and I'm guessing that you do you start sending that to people after their project is completed or right after they request an estimate? As soon as they request an estimate. As soon as they request an estimate, so they're getting it. Have you noticed that there's a better time of the day or a better day of the week? We send it at 6 o'clock a.m. on a Sunday morning. 6 a.m. on a Sunday morning. So it's the very first thing when they wake up Sunday morning and they roll over to grab their phone, check that email, that that's what they're seeing. Yeah, man, good stuff, good stuff there. So, Tom, we're really running out of time here. We're going to wind this podcast down. If anybody wants to reach out and get in touch with you, what's the best way of doing it? Uh, there's a few different ways. I'd say the best way, you can just email me directly. It's Tom at lopcocontracting.com. So that's Tom, T-O-M, at L as in Larry, O, P as in Peter, C-O, contracting.com. Okay, I'll go ahead and put that in the show notes. we got a lot of good stuff to put in the show notes. On that note, man, Tom, thanks for joining us on the Home Pro Success Show today. Yeah, I appreciate the invite, Corey. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. You've reached the end of another episode of the Home Pro Success Podcast. Connect with us and join our collaborative Facebook group at homeprosuccess.com.